everybody. Welcome back for yet another lecture. We have a few more in, before this term is over, and uh, then we're going to be moving on to other things. I'm already thinking about summer class. Maybe some of you are going to be in my summer class. Uh, I'm, I'm taking in the lessons of what I figured out from this experiment in remote instruction. I'm going to make sure I get good feedback from you guys and then plan my summer classes. Uh, for now, today is day 70, a nice round number for a nice fascist discussion. Um, <clears throat> so I want to talk about what I am and am not going to do today because uh, the topic of fascism is a really big one and I'm not going to do full justice to the entire doctrine. I'm not going to talk about fascism either as a political system or as a kind of uh, technique of political management, uh, which is two different senses of fascism that uh, are important. Uh, when I talk about fascism as a, uh, as a uh, technology of political management, that's, you know, when, when people talk about worrying about fascism, the fascist uh, um, uh, government, they mostly mean, I think that they mean to imply, not that we would have a fascist system as is discussed in this particular reading and as it was set up in Italy, but that uh, there's a high level of manipulation and control uh, of the population to essentially achieve in a democratic system authoritarian outcomes. Uh, and, and I think that that's an important component of what fascism is and why it's an interesting thing to talk about and dissect and pay attention to. Uh, that's actually a topic for a different class, a class that's more about power than, it is, uh, than this class, which is about liberalism. I'm also not going to talk about fascism as a, as a political system, as a, as a doctrine for setting up uh, a fascist state. Um, because what fascism enters our class as, our conception, or excuse me, our, not our conception, our uh, consideration of liberalism is a critique of liberal individualism. And so I'm going to focus today entirely on the critique. So one of the things I think that's useful about fascism, and one of the reasons why I included in this class, even though you, some people, whenever I do this, are like, well, why is it relevant? Is it even relevant? Um, the, <clears throat> the idea of uh, the fascist critique could simply be that it shines some seriously uh, harsh light on this notion of liberal individualism. And we can take seriously or acknowledge the uh, incisiveness and the power of the fascist critique of liberal individualism without then having to embrace uh, either uh, fascism as a, uh, a sort of technology of political management or fascism as a doctrine and a political system for setting up a nation state. So I, I, I believe we can, that you can usefully separate out these three different facets of what fascism is. And so today I'm going to be just focusing purely on the critique. Um, and what this means is that uh, I'm not going to delve into a lot of the ideas that are in today's reading, um, but you, you know, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do all the reading. I do have, and I'm going to take just one second to make sure I'm recording. I am just a little functioning paranoia there. Um, I have some quotes I'm going to read that are entirely from the first couple pages of the reading. Um, and that's because this is really the, the heart of where Mussolini gets into his critique. There's a lot of critique. I mean, there's a critique of socialism, there's a critique of democracy. Um, but this, the beginning is where Mussolini lays out what it is that he thinks is wrong with the liberal conception uh, of individualism. 
as well as how, why he sees it that way and what the fascist conception of the place of the individual in the universe is. Essentially lays out the fascist metaphysics, which is itself a direct uh, critique of liberal individualism. Uh, up to this point, we've seen a, f a, n a few uh, critics of liberal individualism, and in a way, what the critics we've explored so far have said is that liberalism is missing something about the place of the individual in the universe, about the relationship, the tighter relationship between the individual and society, or that there's a misleading aspect to uh, the way that uh, the liberal individualist, liberal individualist picture states or misstates what it's like to, for human beings to actually exist in the world. Um, the fascist critique is really more, uh, it's more powerful than that. It, it actually says that uh, the liberal individualism, the focus on the sovereign individual, is uh, not just sort of uh, incomplete or miss, uh, you know, missing something, that it's completely misguided and that it gets things wrong, um, and that it's actually, uh, even more than it being kind of a sham, which it is from, from, from Marx's uh, perspective, it's, it actually just con incorrectly conceives of what it's like to be an individual in the universe uh, that we occupy, and uh, pretty much takes down point by point what it is that the uh, sovereign individual is supposed to be like and what is good about it. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read some quotes and then I'll discuss and I, and I'm and I'm really thinking uh, that this is not going to to be a particularly long lecture though I know that when I've said stuff like that it ends up being over an hour and then you're thinking well that's pretty long uh, so I'm just gonna get into it and and acknowledge that uh, I'm I'm hoping to be incisive today uh, and concise but not uh, that who knows if that happened or not okay here's what Mussolini has to say this is on the right side of the first page. Um, he calls fascism a spiritual attitude, and, and I do think that a big part of what the critique of liberal individualism is, is embodied in this, what I would consider to be the fascist metaphysics. He calls it a spiritual attitude, um, and here's what it is. Fascism sees in the world not only those superficial material aspects in which man appears as an individual. Okay? So our individualism is a superficial material aspect. It's true, but it's, it's superficial. Uh, standing by himself, self-centered, subject to natural law, which instinctively urges him toward a life of selfish momentary pleasure. Right. So natural law, which you know we can think of as, as uh, our evolutionary hardwiring, instinctively urges us toward a life of selfish momentary pleasure. It sees not only the individual but the nation and the country, individuals and generations bound together by a moral law with common traditions and a mission which suppressing the instinct for life closed in a brief circle of pleasure builds up a higher life founded on duty a life free from the limitations of time and space in which the individual by self-sacrifice the renunciation of self-interest by death itself can achieve that purely spiritual existence in which his value as a man consists so there's a lot in that and i'm going to unpack it uh here before i move on to a, to another quote but uh i just want to point out that this is really a completely different way of conceiving of what the universe is and what our place in it is. Um, he's saying, okay, there are individuals and uh, they're in a superficial materialistic way. We, this, they're exactly what they, they, how they've been described by 
uh, by liberals. They are uh, self-interested, uh, um, seeking their own pleasure, driven by sort of natural law, which hardwires our psychology to push us in the direction of essentially uh, seeing our lives as all there is. There are other things, right? Um, it sees not only the individual, but the nation and the country, individuals and generations bound together by a moral law with common traditions okay, and a mission. So Mussolini is looking at the universe and he's seeing a larger population of entities, right? And he's seeing the individual, but he's actually then placing it in relation to those other entities and saying, it is really, <clears throat> it's, it's pretty much just a it's, a, it's a paltry thing. It's not that big of a piece, and it's certainly not what we should be looking at. In fact, um, if we're going to think of individuals at all, we have to see them in their context as part of these greater wholes. Okay? Um, what is the mission? The mission is suppressing the instinct for life closed in a brief circle of pleasure. That's our instinct. Right? That's what we're left with. That's at a superficial material level. That is, Mussolini acknowledges, what we are driven to uh, pursue. That's essentially the liberal conception of uh, the uh, sovereign individual. The idea that we have a conception of the good, it's our own conception of the good, and we use our instrumental rationality to pursue that. He sees the same thing. He's not denying that that's true. He's just seeing that as actually a brief circle of pleasure. And there's a possibility, though, available to us if we renounce that instinct. And he notes that it's an instinct. He says instincts, instinctual several times in this passage alone um, that, uh, we're, that we can get if we form the proper relation to the nation, the state, the generations, um, that we can get uh, in which the individual by self-sacrifice, the renunciation of self-interest, by death itself, can achieve that purely spiritual existence in which his value as a man consists. A life free from the limitations of time and space. Right? We free ourselves from our instinct, which pushes us to have a purely self-interested, pleasure-based existence, um, that, and that's the limitations of time and space. Right? Available to us, is a higher meaning. And we're not going to get our higher meaning by essentially turning our interests onto our limited little selves. Um, now, here, here's another important quote uh, that I'm just gonna breeze past to get to the, to the stuff that's on the other page. Fascism conceives of life as a struggle in which it behooves a man to win for himself a really worthy place, right? And that worthy place is not clearly struggling to find your own form and find and pursue your own conception of the good. That is just accepting the limitations of time and space. That's accepting our kind of narrow, paltry little existence. And uh, Muslim doesn't talk about the sort of infinite span of time or the century span of the life of a nation or a culture. But one of the things I think that's implied here is that our lives as individuals, are really paltry little quick things that just come and go very fast, right? There have been billions of years of not us before us, there's gonna be billions of years of not us after us, and this tiny little wink, like how insignificant is it? Uh, if we just focus on ourselves, which is what the liberal individualist picture asks us to do, um, if we see these other entities uh, as either non-existent or as a 
primarily as a threat to our individualism, then we're going to forego and miss the opportunity to actually have a meaningful life, to actually take, have a spiritual existence in which our value consists, right? I'll, I'll, I'll change sometimes the sexist language uh, for this. Now, um, continuing on the following page, the fastest, fascist conception of life is a religious one. It's spiritual, it's religious, it's ethical. He uses a lot of terms to describe it. I'm going to say that it's pretty much all a metaphysical conception of our relation to the universe, right? We're clearly individuals, and there's no denying that. In a, in a material way, we have, we have our bodies, we have our minds, we have the ability uh, to uh, focus on our pleasure, we have all that stuff, but there's more available. The fascist conception of life is a religious one in which man is viewed in his imminent relation to a higher law, endowed with an objective will transcending the individual and raising him to conscious membership of a spiritual society. Now, one of the things I think that's happening here is that Mussolini is, is positing as the true conception of the good a specific version. Uh, I've, in, in past lectures, I know that I've talked about a variety of conceptions of the good that are available to people when they use their expressive or philosophical rationality, as I've called it, to decide what they're going to point their lives towards. And one of those... Uh, conceptions of the good that I've mentioned several times is a spiritual oneness, oneness with all uh, being. And that's, that's a different thing, slightly different than what Mussolini's talking about here when he says, in imminent relation to a higher law endowed with an objective will transcending the individual <coughs> and raising him to a conscious membership of a spiritual society. But in a way, that is a conception of the good that in a liberal society, some individuals could come to that and say, yeah, you know what I really want to do is I really want to see what my relation to this higher law is. I want to seek this unity with a higher spiritual truth. Uh, in a liberal society, some people, people are free to, to, to embrace that. And what Mussolini is saying is that's actually the truth with a capital T. Um, and the reason why it's the truth is because otherwise we're just paltry little specks of insignificant uh, um, pleasure-seeking uh, body. And uh, that is really stupendously limiting if you stop to think about it. So what he's really doing here is he's making an argument that there is one conception of the good that is the correct one. And that's fundamentally anti-liberal right, or illiberal to say that there is one conception of the good that we must be moving towards. Uh, so he, he's really taking a strong stand on that particular thing. Okay? Um, he, and he, considered, he, he continues on, Man is man only by virtue of the spiritual process to which he contributes as a member of the family, the social group, the nation. So we're only, we only have meaning insofar as we contribute, we're a contributing member of one of these larger groups. Uh, and this is really just a way of saying that our individuality is an illusion, right? We're, we're, we're nothing as separate individuals. This is, doing, this is going farther than saying 
what the communitarians say and what the traditional conservatives say uh, and what Marx, I think, would say too is that we are shaped by our social relations. We are shaped by the, uh, the family, the culture, the uh, society, the political system, and the economic system in which, we're, in which we're born and which we're embedded in which we live our entire lives. Um, we are more than just shaped by it. We actually are meaningless without our relation to those things. And so instead of seeing society, uh, other people, uh, the government, corporations as a threat to us, as liberalism has kind of, you know, in, not kind of, as liberalism has uh, uh, advocated and encouraged, we need to see those things as the source of our only potential meaning. Right? Or the only potential source of meaning. Maybe that wording it that, that way is, is, is a little clearer. Um, so I'm going to continue on because I have a couple more uh, uh, statements for you before I then sort of unpack this stuff and, and really t talk about why it is that this is a useful critique of liberal individualism and, an, and a set of ideas that, in, that liberalism needs to uh, confront in order to be able to maintain the primacy of the sovereign individual at the center of political, uh, economic, and social thinking. Uh, Anti-individualistic, the fascist conception of life stresses the importance of the state and accepts the individual only insofar as his interests coincide with those of the state, which stands for the conscience and the universal will of man as a historic entity. It is opposed to classical liberalism, which arose as a reaction to absolutism and exhausted its historical function when the state became the expression of the conscience and will of the people. Liberalism denied the state in the name of the individual. Fascism reasserts the rights of the state as expressing the real essence of the individual. And in a way, he's acknowledging that the liberal criticism of uh, uh, absolutism was important, right? You can't just say that liberalism, or you can't just say that any state or any, any power that can control individuals is is fine, right? The liberal critique was that, look, these absolute states, absolute states aren't serving to give us meaning. They're essentially just exploiting us. They're keeping us down. They're extracting from us. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that the liberal uh, uh, conception of the individual, which is used to critique these absolutist states, is itself correct. It's a useful kind of momentary contingent uh, stance. But uh, the uh, fascism reasserts the rights of the state as expressing the real essence of the individual. There was something that, that was true about these absolutist states that uh, liberalism threw out when it critiqued them as essentially just being these exploitative uh, power structures. Fascism doesn't seek to just reestablish the uh, old regime. It seeks to uh, reestablish the primacy of the state but along particular lines, okay? Um, and uh, here's, he says, if liberty is to be the attribute of living men and not abstract dummies, in, not of abstract dummies invented by individuals of liberalism, then fascism stands for liberty and for the only liberty worth having, the liberty of the state and of the individual within the state. So he's, he's actually saying, okay, liberty is at stake here, um, but it's not of the, the, I like this, the abstract dummy invented by uh, individualist liberalism. And in a way, that the whole notion of the abstract dummy really hits. Because the picture that liberalism portrays of 
the sovereign individual is very abstract. Uh, and it, it, it is not meant to be descriptive, actually, of the way people really do live their lives. It's meant to be uh, aspirational. It's a project. The liberal project is to say, well, these are good traits. We should be cultivating them. We should be cultivating our expressive rationality. We should be cultivating and strengthening our instrumental rationality. We should be cultivating the, the desire to come up with our own conception of the good and pursue that on our own without having to rely on family and culture and uh, social pressure and government commands. Um, he's, he's actually just saying, no, that's actually not the pathway to liberty. The pathway to liberty, the pathway to something, a meaningful life that's beyond just our instinctual desire to live a life of self-interested pleasure, um, is to actually put ourselves in the service of something that's larger than us, something that has existed before us and that will outlive us uh, for, uh, for a long time. Um, the fascist conception of the state is all-embracing. Thus understood, fascism is totalitarianism. It's totalitarian. So he's actually acknowledging uh, that fascism is promoting a totalitarian state. There's no coyness about the fact that the state is going to be uh, all things, that it will be a full, uh, a force fully shaping individuals and carrying forth all the power over how we think of ourselves, what we learn, how we live our lives, how we relate to other people. Uh, it, it is, there's, there's a nakedness to this admission that's, you know, throughout this, Mussolini's not trying to make it look like uh, this is a soft thing. It's a big thing. He talks about struggle. He talks about war. I'm not going to go into all the rest of that, uh, rest of that stuff because that I don't. That's trying to. I think that would go down the path of trying to make fascism seem like a compelling uh, doctrine or a compelling political system. Um, but uh, the, and that, that I don't. I'm not going to try to make that case. I do want to say a little bit more about making the case that the fascist metaphysics is a real challenge to the liberal metaphysics, uh, which sees the sovereign individual essentially as the center and the end-all be-all, the, the thing that we should be uh, prizing and valuing the most. Essentially, what liberalism sees as the peak of humanity, people taking their own lives completely into their own hands, shaping their own direction, the, the thing they're looking, for, looking towards, their own uh, moral and personal truth, their own identity, and uh, um, uh, embracing that as how they should live. He's saying, actually, that's garbage, right? That's not only, that's not, only not the highest thing, it's actually kind of garbage. That if you do that, what do you get? What do you get when you pursue the kind of existence that liberalism recommends for the sovereign individual. You get, you know, essentially you're just ruled by, uh, by this material instinct that is, does it come from you? No, it comes from outside of you. Um, does it serve you to have a meaningful higher life? No, it doesn't, right? There is, a, there is a, this sort of false attractiveness to uh, the liberal picture of how we relate to uh, ourselves and our identity and our action and our choices and how we relate to uh, any other structure outside of ourselves, family, society, nation, state, uh, culture, uh, uh, ethnic uh, group. The challenge here is that I think that 
what is the meaningfulness that the liberal picture of the sovereign individual really does convey? <clears throat> because Mussolini is saying it's essentially garbage um, and uh, it's, it's a trap that takes you into a place where you have no meaning and you have this short brief, possibly pleasure-filled, possibly, you know, uh, uh, that you actually can um, uh, serve your self-interest and live a fine, fun, materially satisfying, pleasurable life, but what are you really getting for that? And I think that it does raise the question of why do we find it compelling to say my greatest use of myself is to form my own identity and beinghood by looking around and conceiving of what is good for me, with a capital G, what is my conception of the good? How, how can I determine, free of all of these other influences, or acknowledging all of the other influences, acknowledging the ideas, and actually seeking as many different ideas for what a conception of the good could be, and then ultimately weighing it. Like, one, are we even capable of doing that? Right? Is it even possible? But even if it is possible to kind of come to this freely chosen conception of the good and then you know, cultivate our critical thinking and our research skills and our, 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 you know, our pro-con uh, uh, evaluation so that we can instrumentally pursue that conception of the good, what do we get for that? What kind of meaning? Now, I think that one of the things that liberalism ultimately does ask us implicitly to set aside is the, is the big question of what's the meaning of life? Um, what is this life for? Uh, and it, I mean, it, there's an implied answer. What this life is for is for focusing on our own self and conceiving of the time that we have here at per, purely in personal individualistic terms. But if you say, well, but yeah, what's the point of that? That, you, that, that line of questioning is essentially kind of denied. And Mussolini is opening up that line of questioning. What is the point? of your <clears throat> narrow, paltry little life if you live it only in service to your own self. And there, there's, a very, there's a kind of a Rousseauian aspect of the critique too where he's saying we're just following our instinct and the, we're being governed by natural law and when you follow your inclinations and serve your own interests, really all you're doing, you're being a puppet of natural forces. Um, that's what evolution wants from you. Evolution actually wants you to think only of your survival and moving your genes forward. But what's interesting about that is that evolution doesn't want anything because evolution is not a conscious, uh, a, a conscious entity, but without having a consciousness, it pushes us in that direction. And it's actually, why, why does evolution want us to survive? It doesn't want us to survive on our own just for our own sake, because we're not gonna survive that long. Um, it wants us to survive so that we can pass our genes on to the next generation. That passing on is the only real purpose. That's why we have all these instincts. That's why we have this hardwiring. That's why pleasure exists in the first place, right? Pleasure exists to give us a motivation to, instead of just laying around, you know, killing the time, that, the little time that we have, not doing anything uh, that's purposeful for the future, it incentivizes us to go out and push our genes into the next generation. So even though evolution doesn't have a conscious will, built into it is this transpersonal uh, connection, right? It, our actual hardwiring is an expression of the fact that we are transgenerational, transpersonal, that the, the, we are not just a sovereign individual. And what I think Mussolini is asking us to do is to embrace the 
potentiality of, of not just having evolution get us to pass our genes into the next generation, but to embrace the notion that we have a part in this bigger picture and that we can, we can embrace that and we should embrace that instead of just calling that like, you know, uh, just, uh, a, you know, just a feature of our, our, uh, psychological makeup, call that the spiritual opportunity that's available to us to actually put ourselves in the service of something larger. And what are the choices? The choices are put your life in the service of your own bad self or put your life in the service of something larger than yourself. And to Mussolini, like, really, you're going to just say, well, sure, no, I'll, I'll, I'll choose the path where any good that comes of the way I live my life is gone with my death and only is very limited to my specific interest. Or choose to have lar a larger meaning. Now, one of the things he does say that can, I think, really stick with people uh, is he says, um, let's see, the mission is suppressing the instinct for life closed in a brief circle of pleasure. And then it builds up a higher life founded on duty, a life free from the limitations of time and space, in which the individual by self-sacrifice, the renunciation of self-interest, by death itself can achieve that purely spiritual existence. So self-sacrifice, the renunciation of self-interest and death itself. That's a big, that's a big ask, right? Um, and it's, you know, I think that the, the easy response, especially within a liberal society, is to be like, well, you know, self-sacrifice, that's, that, that's something, right? That could, that could be part of a conception of the good. Self-renunciation, even just kind of recognizing that there's more uh, to the world than, than just my, my impulses, my instinctual desires for pleasure. But death, like you're asking me, and then later on you say it's a totalitarian system, so it's even like I'm turning over my entire will, all of my uh, life in totality, uh, my ideas, my actions, uh, my relations to others, I'm turning that over to the state, this higher entity. Part of the reason why I think that the whole death itself thing uh, comes in and why I focus on it is we're all going to die anyway. And I think this is one of the things that is that kind of creates this ray of light for the fascist critique of the uh, liberal individualist view. We're all going to die anyway. So, prolonging your life by avoiding death, by you know, seeking to, to, to sort of maximize our amount of pleasure that we can experience or to maximize our amount of service that we provide to others or maximize our experience of serenity and social union, you know, whatever it happens to be that we are as liberal individuals trying to do, that's all gonna, gonna be over pretty soon. Why not die sooner as part of a meaningful whole rather than die eventually and not that far away, right? Uh, you know, and where we've always done is live for our individualistic self. So there, there's a sense in which, like, you're going to die anyway. And your, your existence here on Earth is going to be brief. Uh, but there's no reason to lament that unless you don't see the possibility for connecting yourself to the things that have been here before you and that will be here after you. And that's why I think that Mussolini asks us to look around. He says, um, uh, fascism sees in the world not only those superficial material aspects in which man appears as an individual, Okay. Um, it sees not only the individual, but the nation and the country, 
individuals and generations bound together by a moral law with common traditions, culture, language, all of the stuff. If we open our eyes while we're here, we can see that the universe is not just populated by a number of other individuals who are also seeking their self-interest and therefore and we're going to run into each other and compete and, and, and conflict and sometimes we'll cooperate and get along and mutually uh, satisfy ourselves through some kind of free exchange. That, that happens. That's there. But, but there's more. And since we're going to die anyway, we're going we're gonna to move quickly in and out of this play of self-satisfaction and uh, seeking our interests. Uh, you know, it makes me that makes me think about Shakespeare, all the world's a stage, blah blah blah. I wish I knew the soliloquy, but it's yeah, you probably know the know, know the concept. Like this is we're we're this play of our life is so brief. We're gonna die anyway. What are we really giving up by deciding to put ourselves in the service of something that is higher, that's longer lasting, that's per, that, that 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 has a a a, a, a permanence and a spiritual existence that we could never hope to have? That's the, that's the real uh, question. And while I think that what the, the problem is that what fascism offers then is essentially total subservience to this totalitarian state and whatever the mechanics of it are and how it all works, uh, that, that, uh, I think that that's less important than the challenge of since we do die, why does it make sense to live the time that we have in the service of our own self-interest. Now, liberalism doesn't require us to do that. And this is one of the things where I think that Mussolini, uh, he oversimplifies what a liberal individualist society is about. It's not purely about people living for their uh, evolutionarily uh, um, uh, pushed pleasures and self-interest. That's one thing that people can choose. That's one conception of the good, is living for yourself. There are other conceptions of the good that are available. That What Mussolini is saying is that there's, of the available conceptions of the good, there's one that's right. There's one that actually gives us something big, something real, which gives us a larger meaning and a spiritual existence. Um, so that one is the one that you ought to embrace. I think that the liberal response to this challenge is that, yeah, we're not here for very long, and yes, we die, but all we have is our own relationship to the universe. We are ultimately alone inside this mind and inside this body, and uh, what we ought to be doing with our time here is actually looking around the universe and saying, well, what am I going to do with my time? What is a meaningful life for me? How do, I, how do I choose to orient myself? This is the expressive or philosophical rationality. I think that's, this is the important part of liberalism that often gets left out. The instrumental rationality, the self-interest, that's, that's kind of a front and center piece of what liberalism is. But back behind that is always this notion that individuals are not just rational in the ability to move towards uh, some good that, they, that, that is set before them, but that they have the ability to determine what that good is. Uh, and in a way, we get to make what we consider to be a meaningful life. Mussolini is saying, no, you can't do that without actually attaching yourself to something else that already has meaning that's bigger than you. You cannot generate meaning except by renunciating yourself and putting yourself into the total service 
of something that's larger than yourself. Um, and if, if you don't find that compelling, that's where you can kind of fall back to, to, to the liberal notion of, of uh, the, uh, the sovereign individual. Like, I don't, as a sovereign individual, I don't have to turn myself over to my evolutionary hardwiring. I don't have to turn myself over to merely surviving and perpetuating my genes. I can actually look around the universe and see not just other entities like the nation and the family and multiple generations and the culture and the state. I can look around and I can actually see also a variety of different ways to give meaning to this fleeting uh, existence of mine, to transcend the narrow confines of the uh, brief time and the brief embodiment that I actually have on this plane. Uh, and I think that that, that, that is a valuable, it's like valuable to face the fascist challenge to the liberal metaphysics because it, it, it much like, you know, as Mill points out in, in, uh, on liberty, we have this doctrine that can get stale if we don't ever have to face challenges from it, even when we're facing challenges from ideas that are not true, right? Fascism is a great example of something that, that may not be true, but it actually kind of wakes us from our, our liberal dogmatic slumber where we just assume that the liberal individual is the most valuable thing and that we should be uh, supporting it and cultivating it. It's a reminder that, wow, we need a reason. We need a reason. We need to be able to face this challenge. And I think that the reason that liberalism has to give back uh, and that the addressing this critique is a really uh, energizing and empowering part of seeing what a liberal society is and why it is actually a valuable thing to cultivate and to, to protect is that, yeah, meaning doesn't come automatically to us. And we do have this kind of metaphysical challenge that we're not here for very long and uh, we are hardwired to basically provide you know, meaning for something else, just get our, our genes in the next generation. But we also have the opportunity to seek to create our own meaning in a, in a universe where uh, there are, there's one, there's no automatic meaning for us, but two, there are a variety of options for how we go about doing that. Um, so I do think that there's a pretty good answer from the uh, liberal perspective to the fascist challenge. Um, but it is also, I, I will admit personally, it's, it, it's hard to ultimately just say, yeah, you know, that metaphysics, the fascist metaphysics is, is just wrong. It's like, it's, it's not necessarily that wrong. It's, it's, it, it's a challenge to our individual centric picture of the universe. And to, to address that like direct challenge, requires really seeing us as individuals, not just as self-serving individuals, but as seeking individuals. We are meaning-making. Uh, and this, again, this is not the, I would say, the standard conception of how we think about what liberal individualism is. Liberal individualism is really about tolerating people living their lives the way they want to live it, as long as they don't harm other people. And that makes a ton of room for people to live their lives according to the way that Mussolini thinks is kind of narrow and paltry, is to just, what's the, the brief circle of pleasure, right? Our self, uh, our, our, our self-fulfillment. But it also does create the opportunity when, when, when we don't get gobbled up by this state, this totalitarian state, it creates the opportunity for us to actually live our lives as meaning-seeking, meaning-creating beings. And the, so for me, then, that's the reminder that a really important core truth of liberalism is that if we're going to be truly 
sort of significant sovereign individuals, we cannot cast to the side or eschew or ignore the task, the big task, that expressive rationality sets for us, which is how do we express our individual existence through the conception of the good that we pursue. That that is not just an afterthought or just something we do once and then we live our lives you know, doing with our instrumental rationality, uh, seeking our self-interest and, and pursuing our conception of the good. But that it's a, it's, a, it's a crucial task. And for that reason, I think that the fascist challenge is a really good one because it really it, it, it highlights that the sovereign individual is not just a good pursuing machine, it is a good creating, good with a capital G, it is a conception of the good creating entity. And that's how we actually get our biggest spiritual meaning, is by determining what it is we're gonna point ourselves towards. Now, we might, and this is the thing, we might point ourselves towards some larger community of interest or meaning, like the state, or like our family, or like a, 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 an intentional community. Uh, Mussolini is saying, you've got to pull, you, he's going to pull us over and say, no, you have to, to serve the state. But there, we could accept this essentially metaphysical challenge that fascism lays down without necessarily accepting the, uh, the sort of the political program that comes packaged together with it. So I see, I see the challenge and the fascist metaphysics as being separate from a fascist political system or a fascist system uh, technology of political management. All right, well, I could probably restate this in five different ways and take up another half an hour, but I think that the point is, is amply made. Uh, and so now I'm gonna just end the recording and say have a great weekend.